I am walking down this dark stone staircase, down, down, down into the darkness. There's some atmospheric lighting, and the air feels damp and cool. I start to hear the sound of water. Suddenly, this dark room opens up before me, and there are just rows and rows of white stone columns reaching up into the ceiling. And out of the corner of my eye, I suddenly see this sparkle, this flitting motion that I quickly realize are fish swimming in the water at our feet. And it, it's, it's a feeling almost like stepping into like a sunken ship. There is a feeling of ruin, but also elegance. And it's really quite, quite magical. As I'm walking through, it becomes clear that there are these really strange faces in the distance. And as I get closer, lo and behold, I am confronted with none other than Medusa, the monstrous demigoddess of Greek mythology. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're talking with Pam Grossman, who went down under the streets of Istanbul, Turkey, to meet Medusa, and who's never forgotten the encounter. More after this. time I took a road trip. How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. So this place is called the Basilica Cistern. The Basilica Cistern was this huge water storage tank built in Istanbul around 532 A.D., 
It was commissioned by the Emperor Justinian, and the reason it was built is there was this big chariot race at the time, and it was hotly contested who actually won the race. People were so pissed off, they started to riot. And it's a little like the Philadelphia Eagles fans after their team won the Super Bowl in 2018. So after this chariot race in the 6th century, the people of Istanbul weren't cursing Tom Brady, not yet, but they were setting a lot of things on fire. After that, it seemed like a good idea to have a lot of water close by. 1,400 years later, it's this beautiful, haunting place to see. And a lot of people also refer to it as the Sunken Palace, which if you are a quasi-goth like I am or goth-adjacent, that name alone is going to make you want to go there, right? That's Pam Grossman. I am a writer, a podcaster, and a curator. Pam and I have known each other for a decade now, ever since we were part of the same artist collective together. And I've always found her interpretation of the world and the places she visits to be really, really interesting. And this one place, the Sunken Palace, this old Byzantine water cistern, it really stayed with her, especially these huge carved Medusa heads. So these two columns are quite wild looking because the heads are kind of holding the columns up. They are essentially the base of each column. And the heads, they kind of have like a square-ish shape. And, you know, her eyes, which let's remember, Medusa was supposed to turn people into stone if you were to look at her directly. And her eyes are carved out of stone, and there's a blankness to them that is quite chilling and arresting and deeply, deeply powerful. She has these gorgeous snakes kind of writhing around her head, and there is kind of a look on her face that is very, very serious and rather intimidating, but in the best possible way. Honestly, seeing them for me was truly thrilling because I just adore Medusa. Wait, why do you adore Medusa? That's not what I would expect. (laughs) Dylan, you know I'm a witch, right? (laughs) I guess I do. I guess I do know that. So I probably should have mentioned Pam is a Witch. Her book is called Waking the Witch. Her podcast is called The Witch Wave Podcast. She writes, thinks, lives, and breathes the monstrous feminine. Ever since I was a kid, I loved anything having to do with magic and fairy tales and mythology. And I imagine that I am not unique in that sense. And as I became a teenager, I started discovering the world of, you know, the occult. There are whole sections in the library that are devoted to witchcraft and magic. Um, I call it, you know, hanging out at the low end of the Dewey Decimal System. (laughs) I bet I would have seen you there, Dylan. Almost definitely. (laughs) So when I use the word witch to describe myself, I'm doing so with a lot of different intentions. First of all, I am pagan. I cast spells. I do rituals. That's very much part of my 
interior life. But I also identify as a witch in the archetypal sense because witch is a word that has been used to often shame or silence or persecute women, um, especially women who were considered to be, let's call it unruly. (laughs) And so to be confronted by one of the most divine, monstrous feminine beings that has ever been written about was quite powerful and quite inspiring for me. Let me tell you a brief story of Medusa. Yes, please. One of the most famous tellings of Medusa is that she was a beautiful woman who was taken against her will sexually by the god Poseidon. She was raped in the temple of Athena. Mm. And the goddess Athena, rather than punishing (laughs) Poseidon, she punishes Medusa. So she turns Medusa into a monster. She is given wings and hair made out of snakes, and she was cursed to turn people into stone by simply looking at them. So fast forward, and the Greek hero Perseus is supposed to cut off her head, and he knows he can't look at her directly, so Perseus enters Medusa's cave And he has a very reflective bronze shield with him. And so he only looks at her reflection in the shield. And therefore, he's able to find her and cut off her head with his sword. The Medusa head eventually makes its way back to Athena, the goddess of wisdom and war and strategy. And she puts it at the center of her shield. Wait, isn't Athena the one who who punished Medusa in the first place? That's right. That's not cool. This is I not cool. Know. This Dylan. is really I'm not <laughs> Anyway, go on. Go on, tell me more. She she weaponizes this head. And Medusa heads um are now used and have been for thousands of years as what we call apotropaic magic. This is Mm. magic that is protective, that is evil-averting. It's a great word. Will you say it again? Oh, sure. Apotropaic magic. Apotropaic magic. Yeah. The word apotropaic means to turn away. So Mm. any kind of talisman or any images such as gargoyles, that can be considered apotropaic magic. The evil eye in general is apotropaic magic. This is very old magic. So the Gorgonian or the Medusa head, you'll find, you know, certainly throughout art, but you'll find it often as a feature in architecture, in ancient architecture, as a protective device. It also went on to become the logo for Versace, right? (laughs) It's this this really wild, ferocious, feminine image that is supposed to protect you. Um, and, And I love that. I love 
that idea of cloaking oneself in the very thing one is afraid of in order to arm oneself and fortify oneself. After she gave me this background on the Medusa myth, I could really picture her down there, in the Basilica Cistern, staring wide-eyed at these two huge carved images of Medusa. For a long time, no one actually even saw these huge, ferocious, feminine images of Medusa because, for centuries, people forgot that the cistern was even there. It wasn't until the 1500s when a curious Frenchman visited Constantinople and heard local legends about people fishing through holes in their cellar that he decided to explore and rediscover this subterranean marvel from the Byzantine Empire, complete with these two grand Medusa heads. And no one knows truly why one is positioned to the side and why one is positioned upside down. Um, Some people think, you know, that it was the emperor's way of kind of like, you know, throwing middle fingers to paganism and saying, oh, Mm. I'll take your holy devices and I'll just use them, you know, almost like almost like junk or rubble to prop up the columns. Whether they were used as a form of apotropaic magic or a convenient building material, there was something very powerful for Pam about seeing them there, underground. Because let's also remember that feminine power traditionally is associated with chthonic energies, with subterranean, underworldly energies. Mm -hmm. And so confronting her in that underworldly space also felt like plugging into some divine feminine current. It's a really incredible space to get to encounter her and, and confront her and thus confront oneself and all the things in ourselves that some might consider monstrous or threatening or askew, but that is still truly magical. I think she's a tragic figure, and she's also a figure that a lot of people of all genders, but certainly women, have now reclaimed in a similar way that calling oneself a witch is this act of reclamation, of taking a word that is a negative epithet and using it almost like an apotropaic device, right? To fortify oneself, to empower oneself. So I think reclaiming Medusa as this symbol of feminine power is incredibly intriguing and certainly very appealing to me. Thanks so much to Pam Grossman for talking with me today. If you liked this story, you should really check out her show, The Witch Wave Podcast. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. Our production team includes Chris Naka, Doug Baldinger, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was mixed by Chris Naka, Luce Fleming, and I'm Dylan Therese, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll talk to you soon. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Stitcher. 
Hi, I'm Willa Paskin, the host of Decoder Ring, Slate's podcast about cracking cultural mysteries. On Decoder Ring, we dive down rabbit holes and obsessively explore questions hiding in plain sight. Like, why has slow dancing gone out of style? And when did we all become obsessed with hydration? And where did the word mullet, you know, to describe a hairstyle, come from? That's Decodering, named one of the best podcasts of 2023 by The New York Times. Listen to new episodes every two weeks and make sure to follow us so you never miss one.